This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today, of course, there is no podcast without her. It's JoJo. Hello. JoJo. How did you, Graham? Ah, JoJo, as you know, we're doing just a height. You know? Yeah. We're not going to... No. It's just I. So, yeah. are you are you doing I? I'm I'm doing I. I existed for another week on the planet, so there you go. Yes, yes. We're gonna take that mm-hmm. and gonna move on with it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Next. All right, Jojo. Given the fact that you were I and I've been I, so we're gonna move on to the show today. We are discussing Ricky Gervais's. What is that show called? Supernature, isn't it? Supernature. Yes. Supernature. And uh, we're going to go right into it because, mm-hmm. you know, it's an hour, about an hour and 13 minutes Netflix special. And part of the reason we wanted to discuss these is because the few times that we have gone over a stand-up comedy, twice, I think, has been about those of Dave Chappelle. And I think Dave Chappelle is not the only controversial comedian out there, though Dave Chappelle in the past, at least two stand-up specials, has been a bit out there. And so we not necessarily wanted to compare what Ricky just did versus what Dave has done in the past two times, but rather to put, bring a bit of balance to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the way we, we approached it. And before we go into anything, because I, I mainly want to hear what you have to say about it, Jojo. <laughs> We are going to go straight into the segment that we all live for is what did you watch last week? Jojo, (laughs) what did you watch last week? So last week I finished a series that I've been working on for a while. Um, I'm not going to lie, it's been a little bit of a chore, but I just wanted to see it to the end, which was Under the Banner of Heaven. And uh, it's, it's a difficult series to watch. There's some really good acting in it. It's got Andrew Garfield in it. It's got quite a few very good up-and-coming actors and actresses and some faces you'll know. It's an interesting story. It's based on uh, a true story about a a murder in the LSD community in Utah back in the 80s. But it is not easy to watch and also difficult to watch and maintain sort of a, a neutral viewpoint for myself anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I watched was under the banner of heaven. And, uh, I, I think it's, uh, worth watching. I do. I think it's worth watching and maybe a little bit of a peek into a life. Some people don't know very much about, but, uh, it's don't expect a, an, an easy, happy go lucky time. I mean, not that it should be when it's about a true story and a horrible murder, but it's just, it's pretty pretty difficult to watch but it was it was it was good right this is one of those that we i remember for what what streaming in in may we talked about it and it was one of those the late may type of coming up yeah I, I do remember andrew garfield going to going through the, the the trailer while i was 
editing the package for what's streaming in May and I thought it would be it would be interesting because of course it's based in real life and there is for some reason a good bit of interest always when it's something that has to do with Mormonism. True. Or, or for the religions that exist, Mormonism as a sect has always been interesting to me, not in the least bit positive way, by the way. You know, when you grow up in, in Latin America, you, you know, you see Mormons going on their little bikes and dressed in black and white and shit, you know, in countries that they have no business being in, and especially in <laughs> in little towns and villages that they have no business being in. Yeah. And so part of the conspiracy theory in Latin America is that, oh, these motherfuckers are CIA. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, yes. Uh, that makes sense, though. I mean, as a conspiracy theory, that that is a logical jump to me. <laughs> yes, you know? like, yes. So, and, and the truth is, you know, as a kid, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I probably believe that. But at the end of the day, I did notice that a lot of mostly middle class people in Latin America were the ones most interested in becoming Mormon. Like if you saw someone who converted to Mormonism, usually they were middle class. They were sort of like the rich rich of your, of your hometown. Mm-hmm. And those kids, the kids of those couples or that family, usually were the first ones to travel to the United States <laughs> or Canada, mm. you know, out of nowhere, you know, because it was missionary time and stuff, you know, and missionary in the way that they go on a mission. I'm not talking about this exposition at all. <laughs> that might have happened too, but we won't go into yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so so it's been fascinating to me because I obviously having been in a Catholic seminary and one thing that I have, I have to give props to the, the Catholic Church is that when you're studying in, in the seminary, they actually let you learn about other religions, like their origins. And it's not really like, let's go after them, Ra- rather sort of like a bragging right like we were the first and here's how lost these other motherfuckers are <laughs> you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so to me studying especially joseph smith right who is to me like one of the most enigmatic figures because in today's world this motherfucker would have been certifiable crazy yeah oh yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah, i'm well, talking about yeah. like asylum crazy yeah. But he went ahead and created an entire thing, and it's still a thing today. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the, you, you gotta you gotta feel a certain amount of admiration for some some dude like that. But <laughs> yeah, I'm I've, I've always been fascinated by them in that respect. Uh, but uh, what is your overall opinion of of the series or of the, of the series? Yeah, in, <laughs> okay. of the series. Of the, okay. In the yeah, context uh, of the whole religious point of view of it. In, in I, I think that from everything I read, you know, I, I I didn't grow up Mormon or LSD or anything, but from everything I read, it was a pretty balanced view of, of their belief system um, and seemed to line up with everything that I've read about them because part of my upbringing was my father's insistence of learning everything we possibly could about every religion that existed ever. So, but anyway, 
the, from everything that I've read and from everything that, that was online, it seems that, that it was a pretty accurate view of, of Mormonism and of the belief of the LSD church. It was written by a former, the, the, the screenplay, I should say, was written by a foreman, former LSD member, LDS member. I've been saying LSD, but LDS no. member. <laughs> I would be an LSD member like, in, like shit. Even that for would a be, minute. Yeah, you know, they actually have one down in San Francisco. There's the, the Church of the Psychedelics that you can join. But anyway, that's a completely different And I've tangent. been over here, like, you know, serving the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Can you <laughs> fucking believe that shit? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the, the, the book, from what I understand, was written from a very antagonistic point of view. This is based on a book. And from what I understand, the book was very anti- Everything, like ab- absolutely just any any kind of, of religion or organized anything whatsoever, which is fine. But the people who wanted to, the people who adapted it wanted a slightly more balanced view of it, probably because they didn't want to get their pants suit off. So they did hire a former member of the church to adapt the book into a screenplay. And from everything I've read, even though, of course, the the church has issues with this because it exposes some really bad stuff that went on, um, it is sort of an accurate portrayal of of what happened at the time and the way the church was then and probably continues to be. Yeah, I look, I kudos for antagonistic books about Enti- entirely any any organized religion and shit. And when I say anti, I'm not talking about like, go on and fucking haunt them and shit. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that religion is bullshit in every way, shape, or form. Like, so, yeah. that That's what I'm saying. Like, if, if that shit works for you, that's cool. That's perfectly cool. I just want you to know that I think you believe in shit. And really, my opinion doesn't matter. So there's that, <laughs> you know. So for me, Jojo, mm-hmm. you, you know, I revealed the bombshell of my newly found addiction. Yes. To yes. Uh, specifically season seven of Love Island. And yes. While I've been doing that too, because, you know, shit, 58 episodes, I believe, <laughs> in one season. And Whoa, it is fucking juicy. And of course, on Monday the 6th, season 8 of Love Island starts. You know, I'm already, I've already gotten familiar with the new cast and everything, you know what I'm saying? And I'm getting ready to, like, get started. So I have to finish season 7. And again, it's still part of, of a study of human behavior mm-hmm. that I'm completely addicted to. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. But... I also took a chance and watched the first four episodes, that was last week, the first four episodes of Hacks Season 2. And I have to tell you, man, I don't know if this show can be any gooder. Is is that a thing? Can I say any gooder? (laughs) Any better? (laughs) Gooder, better. Better gooder. Man, I'm telling you, you know, Gene Smart and... Is it Hannah Hannah Einbinder? Mm-hmm. These two actresses are really, really something else, and together, is they are just dynamite. And 
for me, the weirdest part of this whole thing and the most fascinating portion of it is the age gap between these two actresses. For them to be so funny and have such an absolute chemistry together. I'm not saying that it is the first time that two actors with a huge age gap get get along well on screen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the affinity, the 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 way that each other make each other good. Like it's just too much. I can't get enough of these two actors. I'm serious. When they are, because like Jean Smart is is like hella funny. Like whoa, she's funny. Even when she's playing the meanest person in the world, but it's the meanest person that you want to get behind because if I was going to be mean to everybody, I would be exactly like that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. mean with a bit of funny into it. Not cruel, but mean. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like she will fucking roast you and then tell you, if you take me seriously, then, you know, the joke is on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's your problem because I don't mean any of this bullshit. And to show you that... You know, I'll be the first one to come up to come and help you with anything you need. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's that kind. It's, 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 you know what I mean? But then, the young one, she has managed to create a character that is exactly like Jean Smart's character in a younger version. Do you know what I mean? In a millennial version. So to a certain extent, you can see the generational gap. But these are two identical characters, and almost to the point where you wish that Hannah Einbinder's character were the, the daughter that Dean Smart's character can't get along with. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there is more resemblance in the two personalities than the, the junkie daughter that she has. <laughs> and that, to me, is like, just a fascinating thing. Yeah. So, Hacks hasn't gotten worse it's actually gotten better and if you didn't watch the first season it actually made our top 20 list for it last did. year isn't it it did it did so get on it get on it yeah. because this is an absolutely fascinating uh funny smart and uh you will not be able to get enough of it yeah have you have you seen it yet Jojo? i haven't started the second series no i think they have now six episodes because uh -huh. I, 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 you know, I, uh, I think I watched the first four episodes, and the next day, the the, the fifth episode was gonna drop last week, and I was like, then eh. I went on to Love Island. So there's that. That's All right. that's yeah. I need to I need to get on that because I I loved the first season, and I can see the as they get to know each other personally and professionally, I can see the chemistry only improving. So yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's it right there. What we watched last week was for Juju. It was Under the Banner of Heaven. And for me, it was the first four episodes of Hacks Season 2 on HBO Max. Under the Banner of Heaven is on Hulu, isn't it? Yes. Andrew yes. Garfield and a bunch of fantastic actors. Yes. Right. So let us move on. Juju, let's talk about Supernature by Ricky Gervais. I just watched it, and uh, I am I'm a huge fan of Ricky Gervais. I, mm -hmm. I have to start by saying that because that's the truth. 
after all, this is the dude that invented the office. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, you know, and we've had nothing but high praises for Ricky's Afterlife series. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. But this time, we there are some things that I personally, I'm going to disagree with Ricky. Yeah. And I think it's important to say that I'm not angry. You know, none of what I saw here really made me angry. But I did see a bit of the the same current of lazy jokes that a lot of comedians have fallen into. And it's sort of like disappointing for me when it comes to Ricky Gervais. So let me hear what you have to say, Jojo. What, what, what do you think of uh, Supernature? I, so I, I watched it a few days ago and, um, before it's funny because it was kind of a coincidence because before I knew that we were going to be talking about this, I had just watched a George Carlin special on HBO max. Cause they've just released a, a bunch of those in preparation for the documentary that they are releasing or have released part of about George Carlin. And so then I watched the Ricky Gervais special and I think that that perhaps made me judge Ricky a little more harshly than I would have if I hadn't seen the George Carlin special because the George Carlin special was from 1999 and it was so intelligent and so crafted and so, I don't know how to describe it other than just a work of, of complete comedic art. And it's, it's over 20 years old, so it shouldn't even be relevant, but I, I laughed so hard and of course, there were some things that were like, "Ooh, that doesn't really apply anymore." But it, you, you could still respect the the work that went into this special. That man put so much thought into that stand up special. So then, you know, we we talked about it, and I watched Ricky Gervais' Super Nature, and so it starts with from a man who really doesn't need to do this, you know, Ricky Gervais, and to me that showed like that was to me it felt that was the attitude he went into it with I don't need to do this so I'm just going to come up here and throw out whatever the hell I, the, I can and if people laugh hooray if they don't I don't care I'm taking my money and going home it just it felt as you already said lazy and it felt derivative and I think I laughed twice well I laughed once and I chuckled once so I that was it and I that's very disappointing. Again, a word you already used, but it was very disappointing because it was like, I know that the trans community, some of the trans community is very upset about the jokes that he made in this. And I'm not saying that the jokes he made were good or funny or anything at all like that. What I'm, they're, they're lazy <laughs> more than they are yeah. anything else. They're very, very lazy. And, and, to me, the difference between this and Chappelle is that Chappelle's jokes were more offensive to me because I felt that he put a lot of thought into them and a lot of work into his stand-up routine about it and a lot of, of, of thought, and, and, and he practiced that a lot. And to me, Ricky just kind of threw shit out there, and it was just like... What? I mean, there was some things he came across with that 
were so derivative. It was just like, this is, this is, this is so disappointing. Like this is Ricky Gervais. He's incredibly intelligent. He's incredibly funny. He's very original. And this special is, it's just bad. Like it's, it's, it's not even that it was almost like he was, he was like, I'm going to jump on this trans thing because I know people are talking about it. So people will watch the special and there'll be like some, something, some kind of like media furor. So people will watch it. I don't know, because otherwise I feel like if he hadn't included those people would be talking about, this was just lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've hit the nail on the head here with, with a couple of things that you said, because one, it was lazy, but two, there was a, you were right. He, he approached the whole thing with a, you know, I have zero fucks to give attitude. And the third thing is, that, and I think he made it a point to, to sort of like make you recognize that this was more banter than comedy. Because he talks about, if you follow the trend here, right? Now, that's not me making excuses for him. But I'm th- I think Ricky understands what is expected of him. And I think he felt like, oh, I'm due for another comedy special. Netflix has already paid for it. I don't really want to put a lot of thought into this whole thing, but I still have to come up with something. So let me go back to being a silly 13, 14-year-old boy who finds a lot of silly jokes funny and entice the audience to find those funny. And as you said, let me also jump into the whole bash the trans thing because negative or positively, it sells. I don't believe, there's there's a whole lot of talk about cancel culture that Ricky did that I don't really think that he believes that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? like. Ricky would be the first one to tell you that, you know, words and shit have consequences and you say something, you should you should expect the, the, the backlash because the backlash is gonna come. He don't yeah. he does talk about virtue signaling and people really, really going through the rummaging the internet looking for something to be mad about. Yes, yes. Yes. But I don't think he talk he talked about this made this point smartly enough to make himself clear it was just looking for absolution to what he was preparing to say yeah sort of like when somebody said i'm not a racist but yeah i'm not homophobic but and you're about to be the most racist homophobic thing you've ever heard in your life exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) but in comparison to when when you say in comparison to to the chapelle thing I, i think also one of the things that you have to look at is, as you said, the devotion, the amount of time that I think Chappelle devoted to strictly, strictly going on and on and on about trans people. Whereas, yeah, Ricky picked on everybody. And he was irreverent with everything. I mean, there were jokes there that was literally fucking cringy. The whole pedophile thing <laughs> and dwarves as opposed to kids and shit. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. 
And I'm yeah. not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying that this is the laziest I've ever seen Ricky Gervais. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that that's that that's completely my problem with it too. Is it it was it was so lazy and it again it was the the I feel like the the statement should be at the beginning where they when they introduce him should just be a warning. <laughs> like buyer beware. This man doesn't need to do this and so he's really just going to do a shit job. And and like Chappelle with his issues with with trans people the way it came to me across was you could feel the anger and you could feel the the phobia come come across and it was it was powerful and in a bad way <laughs> in a bad way you know his his words had power and his his yes. thoughts and the ways that Chappelle put it together there were there is a lot of power there to me Ricky Gervais I completely believe him when he says that he believes that trans rights are human rights. Right. I believe Ricky. Right. So to me, the swipe that he took at trans people, the the thing that has made everybody talk about this show, the swipe that he took at trans people was just lazy. Like do better, Ricky. If you're going to make a joke about this, just do better, do better. Make a funny joke. If you're going to do it about trans people, I'm not saying it that was like even... a fart joke. It was like, you yes. know, like, to 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 joke about trans people and the best thing you can come up with is lose the cock. Yeah, it's a thirteen-year-old. Yeah, you know, masturbation. You know, playing your, with your willy and your bollocks shit. Like, yeah, come on, that's yeah. all we're saying. Like, is that too much to ask for? Yeah, yeah. Like, I I don't. I don't understand. I, I feel it really felt like he just walked out and, and, and just wung it. Like he had no notes whatsoever and was just like, I'm, this is just going to be free thought and whatever, <laughs> whatever I might've thrown into a tweet, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say in front of television. I know all of this is going to get us blocked on Twitter by him if he ever looks it up. But I, I, I just, it, it it's, 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 it was a very disappointing special and I wasn't offended so much by the jokes as I was offended by the lack of thought and effort that was put into them it was like if if and again I'm not saying that his jokes were good they were just or, or I'm not saying it was okay that he joked about it that's what I'm trying to say it's, I'm not saying it's okay that he made those jokes what I'm saying is they were stupid jokes and the fewer that they've caused I don't think is even worth it because they were so stupid. Right, right. So I think, you know, it's like we, we think we have the same line of thought on this because it's almost as if when you think about it, it's like, should I actually be mad about this? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, this is, this is, this is, this is stupid. Like, this is yeah. just stupid. Like, when someone makes a comment that is so stupid, you're like, I don't, I don't know if I should sit you down and educate you or just let it go because it's not worth my time. Yeah. To me. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's completely the way I felt about about Ricky. Was like, this is, this is so unintellectual and so little thought put into it that if I, I feel like. Whatever 
anybody that he offended. Cause he, you know, he was talking about, okay. So he made jokes about women not being funny. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I can talk about that. I'm, I'm a woman. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just dumb. I just rolled my eyes to the whole thing. I'm like, this is, this, I'm not offended because it's stupid. You know, I'm not, I'm not laughing because it's not funny and I'm not offended because it's 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 stupid. it's stupid. I'm considering the source and Ricky, this is just dumb and you're disappointing. So you didn't even cross the line into offensiveness. One, you weren't funny. Two, you weren't offensive. Three, you were stupid. So I think for me, what what kind of like became a bit not disappointing but rather patronizing is the moment he sort of wanted to justify here. I came out. I said all of this shit. I know that a lot of people are going to be offended, but I would like you to see where is it all coming from. And it is because I'm from Reading, a working class family from an estate. And an estate, basically, in Britain, when you say you come from an estate, means that you kind of come from the hood. Right? It's the same, you know, bunch of apartment buildings that, you know, people, People live crammed in a two-bedroom apartment and people raise families there and blah, blah, blah. And in my family, that's the way we give love, right? Like, we just poke fun at each other and blah, 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 and it comes from a place of love. Um, that's fine, but that shouldn't be sold. I'm just, I don't know if I'm taking this too seriously. Your di Your family dynamic... <laughs> shouldn't be a selling point to you coming out as a professional and standing there and doing all this nonsense and saying all of this non uh, all of this shit because you know take it from a place of love now that's your family dynamic right that's it right. The, the thing is that we know that you've been in this business for more than 30 40 years and that's not you right right that's right, no right. that's not the Ricky Gervais you sold us the Ricky Gervais you sold us is a thoughtful motherfucker that actually wrote Afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the other thing, too, that it's like, you know, you wrote The Office. You wrote Afterlife, which is, is arguably one of the best series that has come out in several years. And I just don't I, – I don't – that's what I'm offended about with this whole thing is, Ricky, do better. You've done better. You are a fantastic, fabulous writer. You understand human nature. You are so talented. Don't come out with this shit. That's it. That's it. Because like when we, when we, the few times that we've talked about Chappelle, one of the biggest things that we say is that Chappelle, as a stand-up comedian and as a human being, is one of the most effective communicators. Yes. When, like, when Chappelle says things, you will think about it for a good moment. Yes. And extrapolate all the good out of it and say, God, that was smart. Yes. Because that is the Chappelle we have known since he was a 19-year-old kid doing comedy. Killing them softly is, to me, one of the smartest things I've ever seen by Chappelle. And add to that the Chappelle show. Like, look, 
the baby selling drug thing that Chappelle does on Killing Them Softly is wow. Wow. It's funny. It's funny as hell, but it is very, very, very smart. Mm -hmm. Hey, baby, what are you doing out there, man? Go home. It's three o'clock. I'm selling weed. Nigga, I got kids to feed. <laughs> you know, think about this over and over and over again. And again, you extrapolate all of that and you're like, wow, this guy is, is making such a brilliant commentary about the war on drugs, how literally kids are getting thrown into this whole war on both sides of it. And also the fact that we have an education system that is failing so harsh that kids are having kids. Babies are having babies. You know what I mean? Like there's all that. So so that's that's why we like this is not like, oh man, you make fun of, of trans people and shit. No, we're talking about your fucking jokes aren't smart anymore. Yeah. And we got used to you being a smart comedian. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you are going to say, like, I'm, the, the whole idea that we are saying, you know, minorities, trans people, uh, uh, LGBTQIA, and, you know, races, all of that are out of the questions to joke about. That's not what we're saying. No, no, That's absolutely what not. Absolutely not. We're but, just saying that you can't, you can't give us Ricky, Ricky Gervais being Don Rickles. <laughs> right, right, right. Or comment the insult dog or whatever. Like, right, right. Because that's, it's, you know, I read an article, an op-ed article about someone who was saying that as a trans person that they didn't, you know, they, they don't want anybody to think that comedians or comics should be silenced on the issue, but that because when that happens, when the people who are making the jokes or the people who are making points, when, whenever you try to silence someone on an issue, then you have the radicals who are the ones who are able to scream over that. And, and theirs are the voice that is heard as opposed to to the, 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 the common man or, or the, the group themselves, the oppressed right. group themselves. Instead, you get to hear about the radicals who scream over the wall of decency. And I thought that that was a, a great point. So I, I do think that, you know, they should, there are things that you can make jokes about within that community, within the, you know, the, the trans community, within the gay community, within the queer community, within the, the uh, minority community, but you have to put thought and intelligence behind them. And it's disappointing with Ricky because he has a background of, I think, supporting human rights. And I think that he had a chance to make something funny <laughs> And include the the minorities in it without without being so lazy that it's it's like I can't I'm not making sense I'm trying 
no, 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 that's not, that, that, that's not it. It's, uh, I think, you know, as cliche as it sounds, it's just a massive disappointment that you feel that you can't put into words. Do you know what I mean? And look, man, I know Ricky Gervais doesn't give a shit about that. Like, like he says, you know, Netflix already paid for it. Yeah. And he expected all of this, what we're saying, to come up yeah. and shit. Yeah. I think his problem is the fact that he understands that a lot of people will accuse him of being anti-trans or anti-this or anti-that, and he's not. Do you know what I mean? And yes. I think I think he he's he makes a valid point there in that making a joke about something doesn't make you anti it. Like I I I firmly believe that. I've yeah. never said, or I don't actually believe that Chappelle is anti-trans or or anything like that either. But you sent a a video to me, a link to a video to me, in which. George Carlin makes the most philosophical argument about why it is just a, a hairy situation to be just as a comedian to pick on certain minorities. And while it can be done, why he chose not to ever do it. And I would I would I would like to include that. I, I would like to include that clip on this episode. Or at least what I'm going to do is I, I don't know if I have the rights to because the, the clip I, I think belongs to uh CNN because it was on a, on the Larry King show and I I don't want to get in trouble by including that. But I'm going to include the link on the show notes for this clip. It's yeah. a tweet, actually. But it, it, it's just about, what, a minute and a half? I think it's about a minute and a half. About and, a minute and a half, and yeah. it's so well explained that you say, see, this is this is what we're saying. Yeah. This is what we're saying. It, it's like, yeah, it can be done. The best argument for this is, uh, like, like Chris Rock said, you can actually drive a car with your feet, but that doesn't mean you can <laughs> on the steering wheel, but it doesn't mean that it, it, it should be done, you know? Yeah. And Carlin makes a similar argument, but, but something obviously way, way more well thought and explained. And I w when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to drink a nice glass of water because this is refreshing. <laughs> I think to me also, I think one of the, one of the great things that shows Carlin's intelligence and his true understanding of the world and how it works and how educated he was. And I'm not talking about just college, but I'm talking about how he kept up with the times and how he probably read every single newspaper that ever came out. And I'm sure that the man read books constantly. But I think that one of the things about it is that this clip is like 35 years old and it is still incredibly relevant today and resonates today. Whereas I think you could take a clip thir from 35 years ago from many, many, many other comedians and be like, oh my God, that's terrible. That is so cringeworthy. But from Carlin, it comes across and it is like, no, this is like, this is like wisdom from on high. Like this is, this is the kind of thing that, that we all need in our life. And, and it's just fantastic.
I'm so glad you bring that on. You, you talk about the relevance of something from 30 years ago to here. And because Ricky actually talks about that when he talks about how comedy evolves, how you could have said something 10 years ago on Twitter. And today, like if anyone finds it a screen grab today and make a big deal out of it, they are wrong for that because that was 10 years ago and that could have been funny back then or that's a mistake that you made or whatever, whatever. Whereas, so that that to him is how, you know, we evolve as, as we learn about things, which is true. But also there's a question of discernment. Yes. There's a question of am I, am I going to just jump on a trend or yes. do I have the professional and personal conviction to say, uh, this is not for me, man, seriously. You do you, that's fine, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And w which is the difference here that we see on Carlin, who fucking hell, like, I, I, you know, I, I don't believe in afterlife or anything like that. But, yo, the man, the man should be the king of whatever it is that you go after you die. Because, like you said, 30 plus years ago, I mean, it was so long ago, Larry King's voice was that of a young man. Yeah, and he looks like a young man too. Well, young <laughs> man. But you know what I mean? He didn't look, yeah. You know, you know that Larry King's mama babysat Moses. So yes. that's, see, yes. that's a lazy joke. Larry, yes, Larry King is old. <laughs> <laughs> Ageist. But, but I, I think that that shows too that because I think, to me, I think a lot of people feel that comedy is throwaway, that it it is of the moment, that it will always be throwaway, that it that it is something that, can only ever be quote unquote of the moment. And I don't believe that. And I think that George Carlin shows that beautifully in that clip and also in his standup in that there are certain things that are always going to need to be taken down. <laughs> there are certain establishments that are always going to oppress a certain population of people. And I can, we can always make that funny. Fundamentally, there are things we can always make funny. And I think that that is one of the fantastic things about George Carlin is how intelligent his thought process was when it came to comedy. He never thought of it as something throwaway. He thought of it as something just as important as any great work of literature, any great film. He took it that seriously. And I think that that is just a beautiful thing. It's the reason why we're still talking about him and the fact that he was willing to push the envelope with that and open the doors for so many other comics. And I don't, I, I'm hoping that, you know, it comes around that he, he gets his full due because I don't hear George Carlin mentioned as much as I, <laughs> I feel like he should be when, when other comedians are talking because he's, he's just, he is so incredibly intelligent with his comedy and so fucking funny. Yeah. I, you know, it's like we've had this triangle with Carlin, Gervais, and Chappelle. Yeah. And the crazy thing is for me, all three of these dudes are like some of the smartest people to ever do comedy. Agreed. Simple as that. Agreed. And smart, smart, smart on, a, on an intellectual level that is beyond a lot of comedians. Agreed. And so what we are saying here is that we 
expect better out yeah. of these two. Yeah. And but we're still fans. <laughs> yep. You know, and nobody canceling anybody here. Like no. I think no. one of my biggest problem back then, you know, with the with the second Chappelle show, uh, Chappelle special was. Everybody approaches like, oh, they want to cancel Dave. They want to cancel Dave. And like, nobody's looking to cancel Dave. We couldn't cancel Dave if we wanted to. For fuck's sake. That's a multi-millionaire comedian who does whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying you can do better, man. Yeah. Because we know you. Like, we know the quality of your work. What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Can we not? Do we not have the right to ask you for that? Right. Do we not have the right to demand that of you, knowing who you are and what you do and how you do it? Yeah. Because yeah. I sure as hell I'm not gonna ask that from 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 I don't know, Kevin Hart or Larry the Cable any, Guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's just no, and 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 that's that's the thing too that bothers me too because it feels like. And I don't know if this is a social media thing or what, but it feels like a lot of comics are caught in their own feedback loop. Yep. And um, feeling that if anyone agrees with them, that they're attacking them. That's not it. It's 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 criticism in the sense of we are expecting better of you because we know you can do better. Simple, simple as that. And so we're not gonna be on a. On a dead horse, we're gonna just leave it here. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, Ricky, by now he knows that we we are a fan of his work. He's retweeted and liked our tweets about his his own things, and he might not agree with us with, with this one. Yeah. And I... we're cool. We're, we're cool with that. Yeah. But we said what we said, and yeah, man. Yeah. We we we, we said it and uh, we said it with love. It was our hug. Yeah. Yeah, if you take it the wrong way, nobody paid us for this, but as I said, Netflix has it paid for it. <laughs> no one is paying us for that. We're just ranting. Yes, there uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to call it a day today because, again, Graham has a thing, and Georgia's Graham. just starting her day mm. uh, back in California. So there's that. So we're going to leave it here. We want to invite to find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at Kicking and Streaming. Kicking and Streaming is where you find us. Go to our website, kickingandstreamingpodcast.com. Tell us what you think, either with a voice clip or also you can just, you know, review the podcast. And you don't have to go to our website to do that. Whatever app that you use, you can, you can... Go ahead and review us because we haven't seen a review in a while and we want to know that we're not, we're not just talking to the air. I mean, we see the, the downloads. Yeah. But we want to know that, you know, what we're saying is thought-provoking and you've got some feedback for us. Right, Jojo? That would be awesome. That would be definitely awesome. And when you're on our website, go to our Buy Me a Coffee page and pledge something because... We kind of need money. <laughs> <laughs> we podcast and everything, and we pay for all of it, but we kind of need some money. We'll, we'll take the help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and seriously, though, yo, know, nothing is too little. 
Like seriously. So just so you know, buymeacoffee.com forward slash kicking instrument. All right. Judge, you got something? I think that's everything. I'm on Instagram if you want to talk to me. I'm knscohost.com. Knscohost. That's me. That's the judge. I'm Mr. Putzetta. That's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. We'll see you next week, folks. And thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Let's go. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.